Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris. Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome in on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Numbers to get in 466 3776 466 3776 800 825 5865. No, the, uh, the stogie has not been lit today. There's not been a run on multiple cartons of cigarettes. Got a little allergy thing going. So we're going to all just grin and bear it and, and dial in. Going to be a four-quarter fight, Elijah. So you sound like you, you missed your calling as like a bass singer in some quartet. Like, See, I can't sing. But that voice, it's, it's just so low and gravelly right now. Like you could, <laughs> you could go on America's Got Talent and, and get four yeses, you know? No. no I've never <laughs> got four yeses in my life <laughs> in night, <laughs> in one evening. Uh, so... I think the uh, the coughing has subsided. There's enough Baileys to make this coffee 50-50, I kid, and uh, a little water to go. But we'll nail it, man. Going to be a good show today. It's been nothing but, but heartache and disappointment the first half of the season. Saturday represents a chance to flip that script to, uh, to get on the, the path of turnaround. Does it happen? We will... Uh, share some thoughts. We will talk to some folks who have a take on it. Uh, as Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity going to be with us in 20 minutes. We'll hear from Coach Frost, his presser, a little bit uh, earlier today. Uh, the network had their sit-down with Trev Alberts. We'll have some thoughts from Trev Alberts here very shortly. Kind of the state of the program. Uh, and, and Trev is going to shoot you straight. You heard that about him. I kind of... Uh, in the interviews we've done over the years, he's been that way with me. And even uh, on, on the day he had his announcement, our sit-down, just straight up, uh, look you in the eye type of guy, and here's what I'm thinking, and here's why I'm thinking, X, Y, and Z. And uh, and Trev, Trev offered some insight as to you know what, what his impressions of, of two and three have been with the football season. And in... So we'll hear from from Trev specifically on that shortly. In hour two, Gary Barnett with us. Get coaches' take on you know repeated mistakes and culture, and you know the the culture talk has been very thick for for about three and a half years. But but coach touches on it as to maybe a little bit of insight as to why mistakes keep happening, uh, things keep. Uh, going wrong or sideways for Nebraska. Uh, our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, going to be with us in an hour. 
and uh, Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago. You can email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So let's let's hear from Trev. And we say, you know, we ask the question, can Nebraska turn the season around? Uh, I, I think yes is the answer. How are you feeling as you go into Northwestern? Honestly, I think this thing's going to be tight. I think weather may play a factor. But I don't doubt the morale, okay? That's been a big question mark going into this game for me. After back-to-back just killer ball games where that could have really put your program back on the relevancy map or shown a, a sign of progress and reassured it, followed it up. Okay, you knocked off OU, great. What do you do against Sparty that's now ranked? Well, you were good enough to win both those games, but in maddening fashion, you still lost it in very familiar familiar terms. And to win Saturday night against a team that's really not good, really young, really struggling, you can't hand them opportunity. And Nebraska's been handing out opportunity like it's October 31st and someone's on your doorstep in a, a Freddy Krueger costume. So does the 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 gift giving stop Saturday night? Probably not one hundred percent. You might have a turnover, you might have a decent return where Northwestern gets to, to start their drive at, at their forty or better. All right, you can't ask for perfection. <laughs> Who are these guys, right? But in, in all sincerity, I think you can get a football team that between the years as far as the want to and still give a damn level, extremely high. Guys have been challenged all week. Uh, There may be some changes and replacements. So you're going to give new guys a shot. Either that lights a fire for the old guys to get better or you just keep riding the storm out with some mixing and matching. And I'll say this, Elijah, uh, offensive lines have been pretty up and down across the board. Clemson's two and two. Clemson's O-line's garbage, comparatively speaking, to what they've been. Ohio State defensively, they're back seven. Uh, They're going to have to win more games this year due to shootout. Iowa's offense uh, has not gotten in the way. They sure as hell haven't helped out with any heavy lifting with what the Iowa defense has done. So there's a lot of problems across college football. Uh, It's just a matter of who has survived them who hasn't and there's some recurring problems because guys just aren't you know fourth year into the program nebraska has some guys that yes they've been in the program at least three years but what's their role been they've seen an increased role and they're not performing uh not not like they want that to be the result but it is what it is now, am I incorrect here in saying that Nebraska is an offensive line and special teams away from being not only a top 25 team, but a team that could be competing for the Big Ten West crown this year? You're, 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 I, I don't think I'm crazy no, for saying no, that. No, you're not. You're not. You're not crazy at all. You're, you're better off. You're, you're competent offensive line play and competent special teams play. If away. you have two of those things, you're 5-0. And, and, and listen, man, some of the special teams units... Uh, on your on your past national champions, look at some of the Clemson teams. They were rated in the 70s and 80s. 
So it's not like they were great. It's not like they were Frank Beamer. Great story by Dirk Chatlin today in the World Herald. He interviewed Frank Beamer and he interviewed um, uh, Coach Snyder. And yeah, it, it can be a difference maker if you're really, really deficient on one side of the ball, offense or defense. But special teams, be, be competent to good and not costly. And, and you win a lot of ball games. And what kills is the fact that Nebraska, by expected points added, is currently the worst special teams in the country by a wide margin. And also, uh, if you saw a, a little chart that Derek Peterson retweeted on his page yesterday, Nebraska is also the worst pass blocking unit in the country by a wide margin. If you should have competency in both of those areas, this Nebraska team is 4-1, and 5-0, and oh, and in talks to be, now that we've seen what Wisconsin's doing this year, in talks to be a team that could challenge Iowa for the Big Ten West crown this year. It's it's mildly infuriating when you look at how well the defense is playing and the strides the offense has made everywhere except offensive line from last year to this year. Here's what you have in the West. Minnesota's down. They'll be up for Nebraska, but they're still down. Wisconsin's a mess. They're, they're, they're tank city uh, for, for any hope uh, for, the, for the West race if they get beat by Michigan. So it comes down to, to getting Iowa at home. And while Iowa has Penn State in a crossover, they don't have Ohio State. So if you're Nebraska right now sitting at 0-2 in the league, uh, you, you're going to lose another game or more. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you're pretty much eliminated with three losses in the Big Ten West as bad as it, bad as it is. And I use bad as a relative term. It's not as good offensively. Okay. I think your defenses are pretty good, and I think you're seeing defenses play at a really high level. So you can finish second this year and maybe squeak into a bowl game. And at the beginning of the year, you'd be like, you know what, man, Nebraska, they finished second in the Big Ten West. That's incredible progress. Well, you look to the first five games this year, it could have been even more. Coulda, coulda, coulda. I know that's like the ongoing theme of September. Well, let's not let's not sugarcoat things. If Nebraska wants to finish second in the Big Ten West, which is still a possibility this year, they need massive improvements on either the special teams or the offensive well, they line. they need both. Preferably both. I think you can still get to second in the Big Ten West with poor special teams if the offensive line can figure out how to generate a, a pass blocking because I think the defense is good enough uh, to keep you in most of the games you play this year. And if the offensive line can give Adrian some time, I think Nebraska could win more games than they lose to finish the year. However, I don't see any reason that the offensive line is going to make strides that are that great, or I don't see any reason that the special teams is going to make strides that are that great to at least keep them in, in the hunt for, for second place in the Big Ten West. It feels they, like Nebraska is going to finish, what, third, maybe even fourth? They, they've had some tough lessons this year, to put it mildly. But, they'll, you know, you've seen the defense continue to grow and get better. That's been a three-year process from 18 to now. It ain't going to be an overnight thing for the O-line or special teams, but you can get better. You can have moments that don't completely blow your leg off. You, you can. However, you said you mentioned like the strides the defense has made over three years. What strides has the special teams made? They've been the exact same bad unit that I've seen three years ago. It hasn't gotten any better to this year. And the offensive line, sure, they can still make improvements, but through five games, the improvements have not been as great as they need to be. Well, that's a question that, that Trev Alberts addressed Last night, as he sat down with the Husker Network, here is Trev in thoughts uh, on the season and plenty more on special teams coming from Trev. 
You know, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch the team and and, and certainly in areas uh, we're all frustrated and, and wondering why and other areas just really, really proud of the progress. And, uh, you know, I really thought that, uh, you know, the last two games were really interesting. Those are two ranked teams and, and very well thought of teams. I thought the team, you know, went down to Norman uh, without a whole lot to lose and, and played well. And, you know, that was a... Uh, for those of you who weren't there, I mean, that was one hot football game. And I thought our team held up really well. I'm just really proud of our defense. You know, I mean, there's certain parts that you can really learn about uh, in terms of effort, determination. And, you know, certain things aren't about uh, talent. It's about effort and will. And, and, and that defense has played so well. You know, there's no Indomitian Sioux or Grant Wistrom. But this is a team right. that plays together. They understand their role. Chins has done a great job. So a lot of progress in some key areas and then obviously some areas that have been a real concern and, and, and frustrating. But uh, proud of the effort, proud of the focus. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. Um, but um, I think we're making progress. This is obviously a very, very important game and homecoming this week. And uh, a lot of great quality opponents uh, that are still coming up so we'll we'll keep working and and supporting scott and the coaches and more importantly supporting these you know these football players who uh, you know they they deserve to be rewarded at some point based on all their effort more from trev and this is what saturday is about you need a payoff you need to get a win you need to find a way not to lose a game or or give it away you need to be the better football team and finish. More from Trev Alberts. Well, the reality is this. I mean, uh, for those of you uh, who have played football, you understand that, you know, there's there's a certain amount of laying it on the line and, and being willing to pay a price. And, and if you never get rewarded, eventually you start asking yourself whether it's worth it. And, uh, you know, I was, um, you know, this is going to sound a little bit odd, but uh, I was really pleased with what I saw from the reaction of the players after the Michigan State game. Um, there was general um, anger's a little strong. Uh, but what that tells me is, is first of all, uh, there's an emotional investment into what they're doing uh, that are all in. And um, when it hurts that bad, uh, you understand how important it is to them and, and how much that they've invested in it. And so I thought the response was good. And obviously the response after such a tough loss is hard. But I think uh, generally the coaches have done a good job of getting them refocused for the next game. Um, this is a schedule that uh, there's a, a very small window and sm- a small margin of error. Uh, every game's winnable and every game, uh, you know, we could lose. Uh, and so attention to detail and focus and discipline are going to be critical. And those are areas that historically have not been our strong suits. And none of those have to do with talent. They all have to do with things that we can control. And so that's our focus. So trying to nail down uh, those details, Trev Alberts got a, a call from a listener with the network and was asked about what gives you confidence that Scott can fix things, kind of uh, looking at, at four years of, of work, the, the, the work shown here. Why, why do you have faith that this staff can do it, do it right? I think if you ask Coach Frost and our coaches, uh, uh, we've all looked at the film and uh, agree that there would be a, a reasonable chance that our football program could be 5-0. and uh, I also think it's um, fair to ask the question, you know, uh, what should fan, give fans confidence that this staff can correct those issues within special teams? And that's our job. I can't communicate what that is today. Uh, we're going to have to earn that. Coach Frost is going to have to earn that. 
uh, the reality is, is there's a lot of opportunities to get that done. Uh, there has been some changes. You mentioned the analyst. We had an analyst last year. Coach Dawson is back this year who's handling special teams. And so, um, you, know, it, you know, we do have a focus in that area. I know Scott has a focus in that area. Uh, but until special teams change and improve, we have to earn that. So, very matter of fact, Trev Alberts, with what he's assessing, what he's seeing, and he's not just hammering. He's saying, look, man, there's some good things. And Trev's a big body language guy, and and he loves the reaction. Because if you don't care, you're just going through the motions. It doesn't hurt as bad. And he saw a lot of hurt. <laughs> That's not from the fans. He saw the kids that were out there trying to, to get the win. So... Uh, We'll hear a little bit more from Trev here in the next 25 minutes. More from Scott Frost as uh, Coach Frost uh, had his uh, Thursday media session. We'll get there. And uh, Brandon Vogel coming up. Phones are open for you if you want to jump in at 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. can email Chris. At hailvarsity.com. Thanks for putting up with my uh, throat today. We'll uh, we'll grind one out. Gary Barnett next hour. Jeremiah Searles on the way. It's Hail Varsity on a Thursday, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back, fellas. You think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out. Hail by City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in managing editor with HailVarsity.com magazine. His book, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how you doing on a Thursday? Uh, no complaints. How are you? Good, man. We're, uh, we're fighting through. And... Uh, it is uh, Nebraska Northwestern. Before we get into some thoughts from you on Trev Alberts, uh, 12 points, does that blow you back between this vintage rivalry between Nebraska and Northwestern? That's what the spread's up to, man. Yeah, I have been surprised. It opened at 8 on Sunday, which you know felt pretty well in line with, I think, where a lot of the the power ratings would, would have these two teams. And... Uh, who knows if a lot of people are on Nebraska or just uh, a few people with a lot of money are on Nebraska at, at this point, but rose pretty, pretty sharply. Um, so, you know, I think a, a lot of those power ratings look at Nebraska as closer to four and one than it is the two and three it is actually at. Um, the public hasn't refuted that so far based on the, on the way that that line has risen. So let's get into Trev Alberts and uh, his sit down with the network last night. And Trev's going to tell you what he thinks and be pretty uh, transparent, pretty honest. And I didn't, I didn't get like a dark cloud feel, but I got the, well, I got the truth that there is accountability and that there is a chance to win some big ball games and there's a chance for this season to go sideways. And he was pretty emphatic about attention to detail and focus and discipline. And, and that's not happened the first five games. It's cost you uh, quite a few ball games. Uh, did you, uh, did you, did you hear uh, a, a tone of support or just more reality last night? Um, 
I would say there was a, a mixture of both, I think. I, my, my read on it was, was pretty similar to yours in that, you know, you get a, you get a dose of reality in that, hey, you know, there, there's, there's a clock for everything, um, right? And you can look at Nebraska this year. I mean, this year has kind of been all of the years prior to it writ large, where Nebraska's record isn't where it should be. They've earned more in terms of how they're playing the majority of the plays they play against these teams. And you keep unlocking this bizarre combination of mistakes, which mistakes happen in football. It's just a matter of how, how much do you let them define games and, and how do you avoid continuing to make the same ones. And, and that's still a challenge for, for Nebraska. So at this point, you know, this, this far into a, a tenure, you're kind of looking at the reality of like, well, some of these need to flip to wins or – the mistakes need to stop happening. And if the luck is still, or the randomness that's inherent to the game is what it is. Somebody like Trev Alberts who played the game at a really high level for a really long time can probably see through that and make the assessment that he needs to make. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, I think a lot of Husker fans are in the camp that now we've seen these mistakes for so many years that it's an indication of something wrong within the coaching staff. Or not necessarily something wrong, but it is an indictment on the coaching staff, all these mistakes. Are you in that camp, or or is this just Nebraska still trying to figure out how to be a good football team, how how to get wins uh, whenever they've been so used to losing over the past, what, six years? Yeah, I, I would say I'm not as far in that camp. I mean, there's there's a certain degree of it, uh, you know, getting better, getting the on-paper wins, kind of the only currency that really, truly matters when you get down to it. Um, it, it does involve cleaning up that stuff. It, it is, you know, which is why I think Albert's uh, leaning on his experience, talked about it so much uh, during his radio appearance. It's like, it's the thing you're trying to control for. Like the plays can be good and, and the talent can be good. The plays can be bad and the talent can be bad. But if you can remove some of that randomness, if you can just control the things like not having a punt that just goes the wrong way, um, occasionally it'll happen. But for Nebraska, it just seems like there's something each week. I mean, I, I kind of look at this 2021 season so far and if you just gave somebody a magic wand and said, here you go, wave this over whatever you want, how many plays do you need to change to change Nebraska's record? I think you could probably do it in four and maybe two. Um, so th- that's where they're at. And, and, and they just keep showing the propensity to, to, to not make those plays or to make those mistakes uh, in bizarre fashion that's leading to losses. Brandon Vogels with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Vogues, a thought on Saturday. What are you expecting? Not who, but what? What are you expecting from the offensive line? Um, a better performance, I guess. I mean, I don't know how you go through those first five games and then with what we've heard about this week so far. You know, it was interesting to me today that that Coach Frost mentioned pad level because that's that's one of those things that we're kind of talking about here, right? Like, you should be able to control your pad level. And every coaching staff in, in the history of the game has probably said, you know, the low man wins. And those offensive linemen know that. So kind of the key question here for Nebraska, 
is why has it been too high? Or at least I assume that's their assessment based on what was said today. Pad level's too high. Um, Northwestern has kind of it's not it's not a classic Northwestern defense yet in terms of what they're doing and, and how they're limiting teams, but it's still not that far off. And we kind of knew came in, coming in with the amount they had to replace, it was going to be a little bit of a, a curve for Northwestern this year. But you still know they're really well coached. They're a defense is going to be where they're supposed to be. They're going to be assignment sound. And they're going to have to go out and prove you can do something that's been a struggle so far this season for the offensive line. Vogue's a thought, and, and you know schematics pretty well. Are the guys that, that Nebraska's recruited and developed, are they just body type outliers when it comes to wanting to run this scheme? Yeah, I don't – without going back and, and looking uh, at that specifically for Oregon and, and UCF, I, I guess I, I can't say that for sure uh, just because I haven't looked specifically mm-hmm. at that. I mean, what we know is they have recruited to a very specific kind of type there um, on, on the offensive line. And that wasn't kind of a day one thing, though. If you think back to that 2018 recruiting class, you know, first early signing period it was just it was it was a tough spot for any new coach to be in uh but since then they've definitely gone towards kind of the the long athletic type which 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 makes a lot of sense um and if you can put good weight on them all of a sudden you take these long athletic guys and and get them to kind of classic big 10 size Uh, the offense itself you know really hasn't shifted that much i think from what we saw in, in 2018 um the big thing with this year in particular, you know, that run rate was climbing for Nebraska, really for from 2018 to 19 and then 19 to 20. Right now, it's not because Nebraska's just really struggling to run the football. So is that is that a, a scheme, you know, a misfit between kind of what they want to do and the guys they have to do it? Is it, you know, related to – the relative inexperience, these aren't young players. They've been in the program, but some of them haven't played a ton of football. I don't know. There's there's kind of multiple variables when you look at what's going on up front. Vogues, give me a grade on Adrian this year. A. Um, you know, you've had, you've had the turnovers, I think. Um, one of those interceptions, like, I basically don't count uh, the, the interception against Oklahoma. And not just because the guy made a great play, but it's fourth down. Like, what are you going to do? Um, so you, you've seen the fumbles. But really, his his level of play has been, been extraordinary. You know, for most of this year, he's been kicking around in the top 10 or top 15 at QBR. Um which you know I, I like because it factors in how, how dangerous he is as a runner. I mean, he's, he's giving Nebraska a real chance to win, and he's doing all of that. He's putting up career best numbers and some key metrics, in my opinion. Well, this offense is extremely limited, trying to kind of scheme around and work around the fact that the run game isn't consistent enough yet. If they're able to find some key plays and some key guys up front with maybe some reshuffling that allow them to run the ball at even kind of a average level. Um, you could really see this offense, I think, take a significant jump still this season. It's just, it's, it's kind of a big ask to 
to, to find those kind of fixes in, in season. Let's talk Big Ten West. I mean, there's Iowa, and Iowa is going to be, I think, in a, in a fight tomorrow night just because of how explosive and athletic Maryland is. But, I mean, Iowa wins close ball games, so they'll, they'll probably survive. But, all right, who's behind Iowa? <laughs> Who do you like? The field, really. Um, I mean, at, at, at this early stage, it really could. Like, you look at Saturday, you know, if Northwestern comes in and plays really well and, you know, they're a well-coached team, we kind of know what they do. They get that win. They're one and one in, in the Big Ten. Um, Minnesota has been kind of the toughest team to figure out. And, you know, losing their their running back and best offensive weapon certainly didn't help. But still, they were a 30-point favorite over Bowling Green and lost. Purdue's kind of a tough one as well. They, you know, they're 3-1. They're and one, But uh, I, I'm, I'm a little bit still hesitant on, on the Boilermakers. And, and Wisconsin's in sort of the same boat as Nebraska, you know, their record probably doesn't accurately reflect what they've been, um, but they got they got issues at quarterback at the moment. So one of those teams, I know, maybe two of those teams is going to rise up here and I think go on a little bit of a run here once we get into Big Ten play in full. Which one's it going to be? I, I, I honestly, I, I don't have even any kind of leading contenders at this point. They're all just flawed. I mean, they all yeah. are are a mess and in Minnesota can can be decent enough to hang around with Ohio State early and then injuries and bad decision making steps up you mentioned the quarterback play at Wisconsin uh, Purdue actually has a defense this year but uh, they're not great and then you know this is your elimination game Saturday night uh, for I guess uh, who's going to chase Iowa Vogues, we'll talk Saturday afternoon. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. Yeah, thank you. There he is, managing editor with HailVarsity.com and Magazine and his book, uh, Dream Like a Champion with John Cook. Some uh, final thoughts from Trev Alberts and Scott Frost here. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, 20 minutes away from Gary Barnett. And uh, we'll hear from him. Uh, Jeremiah Searles going to be with us. We'll get Searles' take on... The mixing and matching of an offensive line, if that's the direction Nebraska goes. Brendan with us on the line. Brendan, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Go ahead, man. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, shifting gears a little bit from the O-line and special teams talk, I have a question that might generate some discussion about the running backs. Um, I've been pretty satisfied with Ramir Johnson uh, heading up the running backs and and how the other backs complement him, but... uh, I guess maybe I'm the biggest advocate for Jacques Yant, but that guy's a battering ram, and I'm just wondering why we haven't circulated him into the rotation aside from lack of experience. I'm with you. Well, here's my here's my read on it, and I think Coach Held talked about it last week. Uh, and they make the call; they see the practice every day, right, wrong, and different. I mean, that's that's what it is, right? 
And it's okay to question running back rotation, not just this year, but for for the three and a half years here, right? It's just been inconsistent. And, and part of that might be practice habits. That Part of that might be uh, consistency within the practice. Yant's issue has been his weight, okay? So Yant has slimmed down. He's in a little bit better playing shape. Uh, he's in a little bit better conditioning. And uh, you may see him. You may see him moving forward because he looked at least serviceable, didn't he, in the spring game or from, from what glimpse we got last spring. And uh, the, other thought, the other thought on this, the, the perception of it. Okay, you're a running back coach. Your job is to recruit running backs. You've had more leave than have stuck around, or at least you're at 50-50 there. Meanwhile, your secondary coach brings in a kid – from Florida, and if you turn to him, you know what are you doing <laughs> as as position coach and, and one of the the top dogs in recruiting. So, but I, I think I think there's I think that's all part of things, honestly. But I'm agree with Brennan here, just because it seems like it'd be nice to have a. I know he's been working to lose his weight, but coming into the season, he was what 240, 245 pounds. Yeah, it seems like that'd be a useful guy to have. And oh, let's say third and three in overtime, whenever you need three yards, and a guy that'll be I a battering ram and fall forward. Don't disagree with you, but how many plays is he going to be able to run consecutively at 240? Does it is matter it, if it's third it, and three in overtime? Well, can they block anybody on third and three? Or are they going to throw the football? Mm. You know, well, that's that's another thing I saw with Ramir in this Michigan State game. I saw him a couple times get blown up by the blitzing backer because he's just size wise a little too small to pick that blocker up right now. No, he is. I mean, that's where that's where the loss of Gabe Irvin's really hurting. <clears throat> Irvin would have been would have been nice. Oh, and I guess one one last point just. Uh, just a late or a later note. Uh, do you think the NCAA would consider selling mulligans on kicker punt returns? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. We would buy those in the boatload, man. That'd be good. Brendan, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh-huh. No, I think we may see Yant. Right? I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't pretend to know what's going to happen. Greg Bell's running for a hell of a lot of yards at San Diego State. Well, I, I, I know you, you aren't for certain on what's going to happen whenever a guy I mean going from a spring game to going up against a Michigan State defense however whenever you're not opening up big holes whenever guys are getting hit hit at the line of scrimmage you would think that a 245 pound wrecking ball would be able to at least fall forward and get you one or two yards on third and three. Jerome Bettis treatment? Yeah just get a guy that's good. If you can fall forward on third and three if you get hit at the line of scrimmage but you're falling forward you're at least getting it to fourth and one fourth and inches if not picking up the first down it, it seems to be like Maybe he's not ready. Maybe, I don't know. But I, I was expecting them to use him more situationally this year based on what we saw in the spring game, what we heard out of fall camp about uh, just how physical he likes to run. So, Yeah, Dan chimes in. I guess Yant didn't make the travel team uh, because they didn't see uh, they didn't see him lately in short yardage stuff. We did have Frost come up to the podium today and uh, talk about the running back situation. Let's hear, let's hear from Frost right now. Let's, uh, let's hear from Scott Frost on the running back spots. And uh, we'll get his take on uh, the rumors with Adrian. Well, it, it's kind of a musical chairs changing landscape every week, and it's based on who plays the best, also based on who's available. Um, so, it, you know, hopefully we can get some continuity and consistency there. But um, we've got a lot of guys that are capable, and uh, when they get their chances, I want to see them step up. Here's a question. Are you at the point where if a guy isn't practicing all that great, 
you still throw him in the game, and maybe he's a guy that shows up during the game versus practice. Maybe if you base playing time solely, and I get the old school approach, and I get that, you know what, uh, you, 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 you play how you practice. I, I believe that as well. But there's some instances <laughs> where guys are just better during the game, and you just go to them. You use them as needed to help you win ball games because you're you're two and three right now and you, you're running out of real estate here to get to six. Last thought here from Coach Frost on uh, on the the rumors. Uh, we, we had a leprosy sighting today uh, when it comes to Coach Frost and talking about all the ailments Adrian may or may not have. He's tough as nails, so uh... – I got so much respect for him and what he's been through and what he goes through. You know, I've heard some of the rumors, and if anybody knows about rumors around here, it's probably me. Ridiculous rumors. <laughs> um, you know, he probably has lupus and leprosy and smallpox and uh, all these other things. He, he's fine. He's going to play. He's a heck of a player and, and really tough guy. The vicious rumor was jaw messed up. Jaw needs to be wired shut lost for the year but you don't come up and and speak on monday if your jaw is still whacked from michigan state also i don't think they let you out of the locker room if they take you back to the locker room and you got a broken jaw exactly you're you're not gonna be back on the field like uh, i think they said after the game that they were taking him back for like x-rays and evaluations Mm -hmm. i think they were just taking him back there for concussion Concussion protocol concussion protocol you take him off the field you get to ask him the questions where there's no environment no no like outside factors that could influence it and he was back out in the field in what less than 10 minutes that that's a concussion protocol all day Here's the thing. <laughs> Smothers has looked really comfortable each time he's come in. And you, you just start blowing up your arm. I mean, they cross the 50, for God's sake, with your starting stud quarterback in the locker room. And it's just, it's just maddening, to be honest with you. I don't know. I, I, can't, I wouldn't bet that we see Yant. Maybe I'm wrong. Been wrong before. But I'm not sure Yance, Yance a guy. If you didn't see him last week. That's the other thing. You didn't travel Yant, and he didn't travel Nixon. Nixon's your, like, backup punt returner. He wasn't available. So you're going with Toure, who's a really good ball player. But Toure's got a comfort limit on what he's willing and wanting to go do, i.e. running up and fielding upon or returning where that, that, that edge of the cliff is the 10, and, and, and catching a punt. I just want safe play on punts. Honestly, call a fair catch every single time, for all I care. Just give us the ball back. Don't muff it. I don't care if the ball rolls 15 yards as long as it's not bouncing off you before it rolls 15 yards and they recover it with, like, like all I want from special teams is safe plays. Just plays that don't swing the momentum. If you call a fair catch, fine, so be it. We're getting you the ball. keep on wishing. Elijah, see if it gets any better on Saturday. We'll have a chance at Nebraska Northwestern tickets for you next. The Tale of Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, winding down hour one. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gary Barnett, Jeremiah Searles. On the way, Vic has had enough when it comes to the running back situation. 120-yard run. That is it. That's weird. Holes or no holes. 
Any O-lineman gets a false start, they sit a series, period. All right, Vic, we'll see if they're listening. You can email chris at hailvarsity.com. What do you think, man? You think you see Ant? On I'm, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by Brennan. I, I, I don't know. No. I just think I just think what you're going to do, here's, here's my feel. Like guys that have a little rhythm and are finding some running room. You know how many times they slipped against Sparty? Omar Manning had three slips. You had Savion slip. I mean, Savion was going in and blew a tire between the hashes about the four. I think Ramirez, your guy that's got speed to get out to the edge when you run your option. He's. I think he's got the best vision of the running backs he that, does. We, that we have I, right and now. And I think there's some, <laughs> some patience. And then I think I mean I think Morrison's kind of crept up as well. I mean I think he I think he's looked better. He had he had a nice dare I say it catch on a swing pass where they had three on three. And he tight roped it for about uh, twelve to fifteen yards. Well, well, I like his acceleration. I mean, getting back to Yant right now, it doesn't even seem like he is in the top four of the running back rotation. It seems to be Ramir Johnson one, and then two A is Sevian Morris, and two B is Gabe Irvin, and then Brody Belt's been your kind of your, your number three slash number four guy. I think that well, he, Bro- Belt's got more carries than than our USC dude. Than Step? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was much more involved in the game last week, caught a couple passes. It seems like he's ahead of Yant in the, in the depth chart. So while I'd love to see Yant in the, the short down and distance type plays, it, it, nothing that this that this team has shown me this year, none of the personnel bags have shown me that he's going to see the field once this year. And I'd love, I mean, when you have four games to burn, I, I don't think he's in a place where you'd like to burn that red shirt. Um, but I'd love to see him in four games this year just to see what he's got. He seems to be that classic prototypical Big Ten running back of, of just getting downhill, getting four or five yards in a, a cloud of dust, you know? Does it make too much sense? <laughs> it's the question, right? Does it make too much sense to, to bring in a big back on short yardage? Because, uh-oh, they know that, that the plan is to run it. I mean, this they just tend to outthink sometimes. And I hate saying that. And you better be on it big time for Saturday night. Gary Barnett's with us uh, shortly. And uh, also uh, Jeremiah Searles. Danny Burke was at a incredible soiree, the mother of all tailgates. Imagine this between Notre Dame and Wisconsin fans. Pretty impressive. Before, uh, before we get to these tickets, uh, I think we also have another chance for tickets that next week with the Chris Stapleton tickets. I don't know. I haven't read any email today. <laughs> I have been firing up chest congestor and in in water. I believe we're going to have a lot of chances to win some tickets here in the next uh, couple. Okay, weeks. Northwestern good. today, and then Michigan next week with Hooksy, and then we're also going to have Chris Stapleton tickets. I believe so. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Elijah's buying if the station doesn't have them. <laughs> this is true. Okay, we'll take caller number eight right now. Caller eight four six six three seven seven six or eight hundred. 825-5865. Caller 8. Uh, a pair of Nebraska Northwestern seats for you with Hale Varsity and ESPN Lincoln. Caller 8 3776 or 800 825 5865. Former Northwestern headman Gary Barnett next. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to the coach at Northwestern and Colorado, Gary Barnett, back with us. Coach, we'll dive into the purple and uh, red for Saturday, homecoming for, for Nebraska. You had uh, a late one against Arizona State. Coach, were you able to at least, well, find a way to watch a little bit of Nebraska-Michigan State? Well, I, I did. I I was, uh, we were, we had go, we'd go on the air like a little over two hours before the game, and so right. I was looking. I was looking into the booth next door to me, watching it while we were doing our pregame. And I'm watching the game. Sort of kept my eye on it anyway. And then all of a sudden, I look up, and there was a guy in green running real fast with nobody around me. <laughs> I went, "Oh no! How did this happen?" Because it, it looked like Nebraska was going to be able to put it away there at the end of the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, there's a guy running free into the end zone and. Boom! It all changes. They came back from a from a deficit. Shoot, a lot of good signs in there. A lot of good things happening, and then all of a sudden, yeah, that happened. And that's what happens when you're struggling, Chris. Oh. When you're not hitting on all cylinders. The details that you're putting out there aren't being collected by by players. Take me into that, Coach, with just your job as a teacher and as a coach. And it's a process, and you got to know your your kids and your team and your coaches with just how finite it's it's got to be whether you're telling a guy kick it kick it to the right and he you make sure he understands it or the the fact they they miss miss kick in some big moment the punt return was brutal but yet you also had punts of seven and 25 yard it's just a mess and coach frost touched on the fact that a new fire pops up and what is your a reason or a why when you have repeat issue chris i think some of it has to do with just your culture uh, in fact i think that's a great a great part of it. Once the culture gets established that this is what we do, this is how we do it, and everybody in that locker room holds everybody else responsible for details. And, and part of your culture has to be details, uh, paying attention to details, holding other people responsible for details, explaining to young guys as they're coming along, uh, the, the veterans in the locker room, that Everything has to be detailed, that the game is won or lost because you don't pay attention to details. And uh, once that's established, and you know what, it takes some time until you've got, I mean, if you've had a lot of turnover in players, uh, and this portal is going to affect all that. You're going to see less detailing going on, being able to be accomplished because of the, the, the all the things that are happening with the portal and guys going in and out. It's got to be a culture of it. When, when the older guys in that locker room and at, at, in each one of the position meetings explains and shows and holds the younger guys to it, then it becomes your responsibility when you're not a younger guy anymore to hold the next group to it. And it can't just be the coaches. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be successful for long. I mean, you're not going to be a consistent winning program year in, year out, doing the right things because there are programs like that. You look at Alabama's process, as he calls it, it's the same thing. It's a culture of doing everything detailed. 
and people holding each other accountable to it. So until that happens, you know, and Nebraska's had a lot of turnover. Look how many receivers you've lost in the last three years. Look how many players you've had go in and out of there. And uh, I don't know about coaches how much turnover there's been there. When there's a lot of changeover in players, that's where it happens. You never have a chance to get and understand and enforce your culture. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You know, offensive line's also been an issue. We're talking 18 sacks in five games, 12 sacks the last two games. And uh, you don't have to blitz. You can get home with three, get home with four. 28 pressures by just the two defensive ends by Michigan State Saturday night. Adrian's been incredible, but he's also been running for his life. And uh, no doubt the O-line's feeling it. Did you spend extra time? Was that a weekly thing or was that a as-needed thing with your position coaches if there was a unit struggling? If you have an entire unit struggling, then it's, it's a hard day of work. I can tell you that. Things like what you're talking about, giving up that many sacks, you know, sometimes you run a scheme offensively where you don't worry about that sort of stuff. Some people don't worry about that because they think their scheme will take care of all that stuff. Well, you look down in your scouting report, you've got a guy that's got five sacks and six tackles for a loss. Let me tell you, you better block him first and you better find a way to block him first. And if you have to get help, you get help because that guy's going to disrupt your entire offense if you don't. And now that was my philosophy. That is not everybody's philosophy. And you know what? You know, philosophies are philosophies. Everybody's got one. But, um, you know, what I would do and what I would – our offensive coaches, and this was at my insistence, was you look at that scouting report and you've got anybody on that scouting report that has really outstanding numbers then that guy's disruptive, and you better solve that problem first before you go to the others. But that's just my approach. And um, so, uh, you know, that's a lot. 18 sacks in five games, that's a lot of sacks. And uh, I don't care where you are, uh, especially when you're running as much option as you're running. That's a lot of sacks, man. So there's some sort of an issue there that, you know, you really have to solve before you can become a consistent football team a few minutes here gary barnett with his coach i, I look at at the the recruiting rankings right with some of the kids brought in and they're they're talented kids uh they're big i mean they are big 10 big six seven six eight six nine and uh you want you want behemoth tackles but you also got to be able to to be flexible and bend and then move your feet to protect that edge and they're they're kind of in a gray area, to be honest, with they're young because they are, but they're they're also into, you know, a second season now of starting and jobs are open this week. And I don't know that you've got any more experienced or or better players behind them because these guys won the job for a reason. What's the latest you went into the year still tinkering with your offensive line? Well, it just it depends on the year, Chris. It just depends on, you know. I'm watching Colorado every week, and we got we're pretty experienced. We got like ten guys, but we can't find a a five man gotcha. rhythm. You know, we're we're doing the same thing. We're, you know, and offensive line is by far the hardest position to play and hardest position to coach. So, uh, you know, it's um, just what head is, coach you. Right? You you can't overlook that position, man, and you can't over, overlook how important the, that coaching of that position is. 
as you go through. So, yeah, it's tough. There's no question about it. Coach, uh, thought on Saturday, Northwestern, Nebraska. This thing will be about a three-pointer again, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, I watch, look at Northwestern's numbers, and and um, the only thing that would make it a three-pointer was because uh, there is a decent rivalry mm-hmm. established now. I mean, I think Northwestern likes playing Nebraska. And and they, even though they may not be as talented, I think, and, and I don't think they are as talented as Nebraska, and their numbers sort of show that. Uh, for some reason, the uh, mental piece of this is, jumps up, and Northwestern plays them tougher than probably it looks like they should. But on paper, you know, it's you know they're both scoring about the same number of points, but. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you look at points allowed, it's not too far apart. I think Northwestern's 20 a game, Nebraska's 17, but they're, the competition they've played have been, it's a little bit different. You know, and Northwestern struggled against Michigan State, and they struggled against uh, anybody really that's, uh, you know, a power five opponent. They've beaten two MAC opponents. And um, they really haven't run them off off the table, so their stats are a little pumped up. Um, but you know they allow 396 yards a game. That's a lot, and that that's without only playing with playing two max schools. So um, you know I, I think it's going to be a struggle for Northwestern. I think that they're a year away. They're playing a lot of new guys in the secondary, giving up a lot of passing yardage, and they're. Um, you know, they they lost two first rounders off of that team, and, and at, at Northwestern, you can't lose two two first rounders and, and rebound from that real quick. You don't have another one to take his place. So, uh, I, I don't think this game is um, should be a problem for Nebraska if they if they just you know even if they play as well as they did against uh, Michigan State, they should win this game. But you know, if you don't. Yeah, you never know. And like I said, the, the the mental piece of it here where Northwestern feels like they have an edge, whether they do or not, that comes into play. So you might get a good game, another three-pointer, absolutely. Well, and that's where I'm wondering, um, you know, where's Nebraska's psyche at after Oklahoma, then Sparty? And uh, do, you, do you get off, off the mat with a couple of gut punches? Because the team that's going to make you be perfect – more times than not because Coach Fitz does such a great job is Northwestern. I mean, Northwestern Iowa really make you do details, and Nebraska's not done details uh, at all uh, really well this season. So, I don't know. Are you are you concerned about the quarterback spot? I mean, I know that's been a kind of a merry-go-round there for Northwestern. Well, yeah, Hunter Johnson's he's got four touchdown passes and four interceptions. That's You don't like that ratio. Yeah. Um, and that's been a struggle, and he struggled when he when he came when he transferred in there two years ago. So, yeah, I think uh, the big difference for Northwestern a year ago was uh, Peyton Ramsey, the oh, transfer yeah. from from Indiana. Uh, he turned that football team. That was the best looking football team at Northwestern I've seen in a while. And it it, it takes a guy like that to do it, and they just don't seem to have a trigger man that can do that again this year. Coach, we'll do some rapid fire. I know. Uh... SC comes to town for you guys, and uh, they're they're wobbling a bit. How are the Buffs feeling uh, after 
after another tough week? Well, you know, the Buffs are ranked 127th and 128th in every offensive category. Now there's only 130, Chris, and I'm going to look up and see who could possibly be worse than us. But uh, uh, that's – and we're, we're our whole problem comes down to quarterback play. We just have, have had um, really young, inexperienced uh, quarterback play. We can't get the ball thrown. We've only thrown one pick, but we won't throw the football. Yeah. And so, I mean – we call the plays, but he won't throw them. So it's it's really frustrating. Our leading pass receiver, for example, has seven catches in Jeez. four games. So, um, yeah, it, it's a struggle for us with those numbers. So we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle all year until that position gets fixed. And, frankly, I don't see a fix because there's he's only got two scholarship quarterbacks. One's a redshirt freshman. The other's a true freshman. And um, – they can't afford to lose either one of them, but so they can't run them much. So he calls in a real bind here at the quarterback spot. Upset alert for Iowa. They are at Maryland, and both teams are unbeaten. I guess I haven't watched enough of Maryland to be that respectful of them, but I sure <laughs> like Iowa. You know, I sure like Iowa. I like the way they play football. Um, so I no, I'm not going to take the upset, but uh, I'll be interested in watching. I mean, I like Tua. I really do. Mm-hmm. Our uh, little, little Tua, name. Yeah. little Tua. But I, I like him. I think he's a good player. He really turns that program around. I think. But gosh, Iowa is such a complete team. Well, Arkansas whacked A and M, and now they head to Georgia. That's a back to back. What do you think? I like what Arkansas's coach is doing. They, they've got he's got some belief down there. Yeah, I agree. Everybody likes Sam Pittman. Well, it's an 18-and-a-half-point spread. I can't believe that when I see it. Um, I think Georgia's going to win the game, but I don't don't see it by anywhere close to 18-and-a-half. I don't think Georgia can put that many points on the board. Is uh, do or die for Wisconsin, Michigan rolls into town? No question. Wisconsin is, I mean, they have been way overrated. Mertz has not played well since he's making all the money, although I don't think that's the reason. But he has not played well this year, and uh, Michigan is playing very well. To see that Wisconsin was a one-point favorite, you know, those guys must know a lot more than I know because I could I could never see that spread. Okay, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, man, I, I, Coach Fickle does a great job. The Irish are are uh, charmed is the word I use. What do you think? I think that leprechaun gets left at home this week. I think Cincinnati gets him. Uh, I think uh, a leprechaun doesn't come out of the locker room. Um, and they're, you know, Cincinnati's favorite in this game. So um, there's a lot of people. I think there's more hope in that uh, spread than there is reality because Notre Dame's still playing pretty well, and they know how to they know how to win. So uh, I think we're all rooting for Cincinnati more than betting on them so old miss in alabama is it woodshed time for lane does this does, does coach saban give lane a spanking here or do you think this is a show no, i don't think so i think i think 14 and a half points is too many i think this is going to be another shootout last year was 60 to whatever it was i think it's been the same kind of game uh old miss has got a chance and i think this is another game where now there you know if it were some other somebody else coaching that Ole Miss team, everybody would be rooting for him. But Kiffin, you know, he's he, he'll uh, he'll uh, 
half of the guys, half the people will be rooting for him and half of them won't. He's polarizing. So, um, I, again, I think everybody just wants Alabama to lose, but, um, I, I don't think, I don't think Alabama will cover in this game, but I do think it's going to be a fun game to watch. Coach, have a great call against SC and thanks for a few minutes today. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Thank you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, let's put the eye black on and get in the trenches. Talk some O-line with our uh, favorite Husker sideline guy and uh, NFLer, Jeremiah Searles, standout Nebraska player during the Polini era at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, you getting in front of the camera again. Is this what I'm seeing on Twitter? I will. I am back. I got it filmed up today. My film review is done, and I will have that airing tomorrow morning off my Twitter handle. At Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, what film say to you without telling us all about the movie? You know, the film is deceiving. Defensively, man, it's one of the better team defenses I've seen us play in a really long time. Guys are playing really hard. They're getting after the ball, running to the football. But offensively, it's the same thing. It's been one guy here, one guy there. And also, Adrian Martinez is freaking Superman. <laughs> what's, what's your take? You've heard it. I've, I've heard it. We've seen it. There's, there's criticism of number two. Can you believe that? I just, uh, no. And anyone who is immediately loses all credibility with me for everything. Someone who tells me Adrian Martinez is the problem with this offense could argue with me that the sky is blue, and I would tell them that they were wrong because that's just how wrong they are. Without Adrian, this offense is anemic. Without Adrian, we get sacked 15 times against that game. Um, without Adrian, we have no leading rusher. So th- the, what this dude has been able to do is nothing short of miraculous with the help that he's got from a young offensive line. I mean, you put this dude against, I mean, in an SEC offensive line, you're talking Heisman numbers with some of the stuff he's putting up. Searles, uh, a thought. You were on the sideline, man. What what did you take with you from East Lansing? Attitude, body language. Do you worry about morale Saturday? You know, I really don't. Um, I think that the biggest thing for morale for this team, especially for the defense, is I think they have a chip on their shoulder more or less along the lines of, we're going to win football games because of us. You've got a lot of guys on there that want to go win for NFL talent. So you want to keep putting good games together and – I really think that they're going to they're gonna strive to push this offense on the defensive side of the ball. And really, I mean, if you think about it, when's the last time we were able to say, yeah, Nebraska's defense is going to win us football games? I think they take a lot of pride in that. I think they take a lot of pride on that side, but I also think on the offensive side, you're going to see some new guys out there at different positions getting shots because at this point, if you're, I mean, you're almost halfway through the season now. If something's not working, I don't think Scott and them are going to have a problem trying to fix it. Charles, what's uh... – let, let's go story time here. What was it like when there was complimentary football? And take me back to 2010 with an elite defense and a really good offense. You know, complimentary football is a funny thing. You don't really think about it until you don't have it. <laughs> I mean, when, you're, when you're just playing the game and you're like, oh, okay, we'll punt the ball and then the defense will get us decent field position, we'll go score. Or, hey, we got bad field position, we'll flip it for the defense to make them try and go 80. You just kind of take it for granted. Um, and, and so for this team to be so close on the defensive side of the ball, just constantly giving us good field position, just had the offense squandered away, 
or the special team squandered away is frustrating. And I think that's probably something that'll frustrate the guys more than anything. But I'll tell you this, if I'm a black shirt, if I'm a not starting tight end or running back, I'm putting myself on those special teams. I'm putting myself to say, hey, I'm going to help my team the best way I can. Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, when you're looking at that special teams, I mean, how much of the mistakes you're seeing is that effort from the guys on the field, or, or is it poor coaching? Uh, what, which side of that argument do you err on uh, in terms of who's to blame? Oh, man, that's a tough question there, Elijah. You're asking the hard hitters. You know, I think <laughs> the big thing for me is it's not necessarily bad coaching. I think there's a disconnect between something, between the meeting room, the practice field, the game. And I don't know where the disconnect is, but there's definitely a disconnect because, I mean, I know no coach is going to coach you to punt it the wrong way. No coach is going to coach you to run the wrong seam or any of that. It's all about execution, but you also kind of find where the disconnect is when you're talking about that execution. And so I think that some of it's young players, some of it's guys not necessarily really understanding of what they're asked to do. But I think at this point, there's no more young guys. Everyone's experienced at least one or two games. It's time to just kind of nut up and just do it. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, let's talk offensive line. Uh, everyone's had to go through this where uh, you, you have to respond to adversity, and in some instances guys who've taken a lot of snaps are going to be watching, potentially, right? Shakeups on the offensive line, jobs were open. How do you respond to that? What was your approach? And also uh, a thought on, you know, what could the um, what what could the, the lineup look like? And and is this an answer, or is this the only really choice you have to light a fire? Yeah, you know, I mean, I got benched. Not necessarily benched. I lost my job after I got injured in 2010. To uh, in 2011, I got I got beat out for the starting job because I was hurt, and it it lit a fire under me. It's okay to be pissed off that you're benched, but what's not okay is you become a bad teammate. And I think some of these guys are going to get benched. I think some of these guys are going to get opportunities, young players. But you got to think even the guys that are getting benched aren't like fifth-year seniors. We're going to need these guys. It's about a fine line of saying, hey, you're not performing, but also at the same time, like, keep developing. And I think that's a, that's a tough line for Coach Austin, Coach Frost. I mean, he mentioned some shakeups on the line, especially at right tackle and left guard. He mentioned specifically. So I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's time you see some younger guys get out there and get a shot or kind of what's going to happen there. But there's definitely some dudes that are around that are probably watching this film going, hey, I can do better than that. And so they're going to start trying to figure out what's the best combination to try and get this thing fixed. Searles, when we look at the body types Nebraska's gone after, I mean, it's been 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". I mean, it's, it's monster folks. That are that are highly rated recruits that a lot of other schools want. A lot of the Big Ten West schools, Iowa, Wisconsin, right? So Nebraska won some battles. So you know the kids are talented. I know Greg Austin can coach. I know the NFL right. likes Greg Austin. I know Oregon like Greg Austin. Okay. <laughs> so my question is this: when it comes to what Nebraska wants to do, where where are they at with where this offense wants to go versus what what is physically able to be done. I mean, there, there's a mesh point there, isn't there, with, all right, here's big, big body types, here's guys that can maul people, but here's, here's, this, here's this Oregon stuff that, that works and, and has won before. 
is this uh, square peg round hole, or does it just need some whittling? You know, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's square peg round hole in some certain sense, but at the same time, I think it's a lot of trying to play chess with checkers also. Oh, wow. I think at times, I think at times you got, you're trying to play chess, but your checkers pieces just aren't quite what you need, right? You can't, you can't go rook to bishop six with a, a, a black piece, right? You need to have the special pieces, and a lot of that comes with development. I don't, I'm not saying these guys can't play that. I'm not saying these guys can't be those kind of players, but they're just not right now. And the great coaches know how to adjust. The great coaches know how to adjust to the talent that they have. And so I think that we're still kind of figuring out, okay, we had young talent on the line. We've got all this talent on the back end and running the football. We want to do this, that, and the other thing. But sometimes you just got to kind of take a smaller approach to it and be like, what are we good at? What are two run plays that we're considering ourselves good at? And then from there, build off of it, because I still think we're not sure what we're good at yet. I don't get um, Jess at all, but thank you for <laughs> frightening me. <laughs> it's looking at Elijah for help. <laughs> You're welcome. Chess is a, it's a, it's a distinguished man's game, Schmidt. Yeah, <laughs> That's code for you can't like try and gnaw on your hand, Schmidt. You got you to gotta have a little culture <laughs> to you. Um, let's uh, let's talk Northwestern, and, and you're awesome. You are going to be at the graduate tomorrow, uh, single barrel live road show, four to six Friday. Excited for that. Does this game mean a lot to you, the Northwestern Nebraska series? Absolutely. I mean, it's a great rivalry. You can throw out the you throw out the records, you throw out who knows what talent level, this, that, and the other thing, and you just know it's two hard teams that are going to come and fight each other because neither one's scared of the other team. Neither one thinks that the other team's better than them. They just both know that it's going to come down to who makes the least amount of mistakes and who's the ability to capitalize on the opportunities that are given to them. And that's been the story of the last few years of who won the football game. Should they be this close? Why, why have they been this close, bud? I don't know, dude. I, I thought the same thing in 2012 and 2013 when I played them. It's like we were obviously more talented than them, but they just play you close and they don't beat themselves. And any team that doesn't beat themselves will always give themselves a chance to win at the end of the game. No, they are they are buttoned up. They are poised, but they they've got to reload. I mean, we just talked to Coach Barney, and his tone is like, "Man, you guys should." He didn't flat out. He'll never say bad, you know, against Northwestern, but he doesn't think there there's much of a shot for him. And, and he's. I will say this: we should win this game by three touchdowns on paper, but Northwestern's games have never panned out to what's been on paper. That's that's fair. I mean, they're they find a way, right? So what's yep. what's better? Sa- what, do, what is better Saturday? We had this discussion yesterday. Is it going to be a better performance if you had one face to look at the O line or special teams? And I know there's different elements within special teams, but what what is better Saturday to help get a win for Nebraska? Is it going to be the O line play or is it going to be special teams? It's the O line play. Me and Elijah are on the same page. I was listening to you guys' segment on this yesterday. The O-line's definitely going to have a better day, strictly because we don't have any werewolves coming off the edge from Northwestern. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that they're going to be challenged by their, by their head coach, by their position coach, by everyone in the state, and I think they're going to respond well to it. So before I let you go, uh, do you think it's important that they step up because of the weather that's in the forecast for Saturday? could be raining uh, either before or during the game. Do you, I mean, that just feels like offensive line, Big Ten, run the ball weather. Am I wrong there? Oh, you're absolutely right, and thank you so much for reminding me that I'm going to get soaked on the sideline there. Are you going to melt? I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. But, no, 
I, I do think that that's a Big Ten type football game, and I mean that's what Northwestern's going to want to do, and we need to beat them at their own game in that. Searles, are you uh, going poncho or white T-shirt? Uh, I'm going to go with my sick of rain hoodie is what I'm going to do, unless they give me something else because I ain't getting wet. All right, all right. I just didn't know if you wanted to just, you know, go Andy Dufresne, bring it on once you get out of the uh, the tunnel. Absolutely not, dude. Maybe when I was a player, but I'm soft now. <laughs> so you're, you're going to have some – I don't know that you'll need long johns or the electric no, socks. No, absolutely not. I'll just have a long waterproof. I don't, I'd rather play in the pouring down snow than the rain. I just hate being wet. Okay. Now, have you been doing the same things like the players have been doing? Like, they, I know they do the wet ball stuff at practice. Do you go to the wet mic to make sure you're not dropping that during your interview? <laughs> I probably should start, huh? Practice makes perfect. It's all about the preparation. You don't fail to prepare. You prepare to fail. There he is, Jeremiah Searles. Searles, we'll see you tomorrow, brother. Great to get caught up. Thanks for a few minutes today. No problem. I'm going to go try and fix this golf swing here. So I'll see you, boys. Uh-huh. That's code for he's on, he's on in two. He's putting for bird. Good for Searles. He is uh, swinging away. Probably at number eight on Firethorn right now. It's a beautiful day for some golf, especially the the rain kind of held off today. Maybe it's going to come overnight, but I don't know. Uh, golf, yes. Danny Burke is next. Burke's best bats at Hale Varsity on a Thursday. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke, pride of Chicago with us, said Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. His show, Rush Hour, on the VEASAN Sports Network, 6 to 7 weeknights. Danny, how was that tailgate, man? You know, it was fun, Schmitty. What wasn't fun about it was the fact that uh, Wisconsin didn't compete whatsoever. So, again, my... uh, season win total bet for the Badgers is looking abysmal and their offense is looking very similar to the Bears so it's pretty it's been pretty gross all around the Midwest in terms of offensive football production but no it, it was fun the tailgate was awesome uh, my buddy and his dad always have one set up so they had a really good spot and uh, it was a blast it was great to kind of get that uh, tailgate feeling back since I've been in Lincoln so it was nice to kind of reminisce with that. Well, and the VIP section never hurts prior to Chicago. I mean, that, that let's just call it like it is. All right, let's get to Nebraska-Northwestern. Uh, what a absolute punch to you-know-where for Nebraska against Sparty. They uh, still covered the five-and-a-half, <laughs> but it, it hurt doing it uh, for a lot of Nebraska fans. The line is up to 12 now for uh, Nebraska over Northwestern. I, yeah, first of all, going back to that other game, I, I think, I, you know, I didn't bet it, but I was pretty much like, you know, under probably had been a field goal game, but I didn't think Nebraska was going to lose in that ugly a fashion. Uh, I guess who am I kidding? Of course they would. I mean, special teams, special teams, special teams, Schmitty. That punt was the worst thing I think I've ever seen. That topped the extra point that got returned for two. But um, going back to them this week, Look, these teams always play each other close, Schmitty, but this year is a little bit different, let's be honest, and we knew that going into it. Nebraska deserves to be a double-digit favorite. Do they deserve to be a 12-point favorite? I'm not as inclined to lay the points to find out. The angle I'm looking at in this one is, again, going the under for the spot. I actually played under 51. I know that's been moving down a decent amount. But, look, at the end of the day, Nebraska's really been trying to homer the run game, right? That's what they've been trying to implement and trying to get going. And they 
slowly gotten better with it, but now it's a great opportunity to do so against this Northwestern defense committee that we all know has looked a lot worse, and especially against the run. Now on the other side, Northwestern offensively hasn't done anything that great in general, but uh, they've been focusing a little bit more on the run. Nebraska's run defense is a somewhat weak part of their defense, and you know, even if it is, the Nebraska defense has really been solid overall, so they're going to limit Northwestern. I see this one probably at about a 28-17 to 17 finish. You get right around that spread with Nebraska, but you're staying under the total of about 51. It stayed under the last two years between these two teams. They always play it close. It's always tough. It's always you know, a slow, gritty game. And I think we're going to get that once again this Saturday, and I really like the total staying under. Yeah, we'll see if uh, the rain stays away or not, but I I think uh, you just can't trust Nebraska to play a completely bulletproof game, uh, which I think you're right on. This thing stays within a one-score game. But I think this is DEFCON. You go from two to zero. I mean, it's like Armageddon if they don't get this thing done on homecoming. Uh, to get back to 500. Uh, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, uh, Fickle and Company are minus two. The Irish at home have have been really good, and Notre Dame continues to to do their thing. And a lot of defensive scores last week you got to see. I almost played this game in our contest that we had when we picked six games against the spread or the total. I was very close to laying the points with Cincinnati in this one, Schmitty, but ultimately I couldn't do it because it just screamed, like, I, I don't even know what it's going to be, but it's just such a tough game to gauge, right? Because you saw Cincinnati be vulnerable against Indiana. They ended up coming back, winning that game by two touchdowns, so you tip your cap to them at the end of the day. And now you have a little bit more optimism with Wisconsin, or excuse me, not uh, Wisconsin, with Notre Dame because of what they did to Wisconsin. But at the same time, maybe Wisconsin's just really not that good. So I do think Cincinnati is the right side here, maybe more of a uh, comeback-to-reality spot for Notre Dame after what happened this past weekend. And even though they looked really great this past weekend, Schmitty, I mean, the weeks prior they were barely winning their games. And, you know, Cincinnati certainly has a realistic opportunity to find themselves in the college football playoff. And winning against Notre Dame is going to be a big reason why they can potentially find themselves there. So, you know, realistically, if, if, if this is a neutral site game, you probably have Cincinnati around a field goal, maybe field goal and a half favorite somewhere around there but at the end of the day Cincinnati is a little bit more talented I think and you know injuries have been plaguing Notre Dame a little bit from this past week so I, I give the edge to the Bearcats it's never fun to take on uh, somebody after you played Wisconsin don't care how good Wisconsin is or isn't you'll feel them and uh, now you, you jump into Cincinnati if you're Notre Dame Arkansas has been fun they got a big old guy as their head coach you gotta love uh, the the kind of juice Arkansas has is 18 and a half too much for Georgia. They look incredible. I did use this play in the contest, but I didn't use it as an official bet per se, because, you know, sometimes (laughs) I just got to add the bets in there just to fill out the six, but it wasn't an official play I'm releasing on my show because I I was so torn, Schmitty, because you're right. 18 and a half, 19, wherever you're able to get, it seems like so much based on how Arkansas has played. And based on the fact that, hey, yes, Georgia is great, but are they that much better? Are they three touchdowns better than Arkansas, who has proven us wrong time and time again thus far at this point in the season? I would lean toward taking the points, okay? But the more I kept going into it, the more I was getting other people's opinions. They're saying, well, this Georgia team is really good, and 
you know, don't be surprised if they smack them down and just get out to an early lead and then Arkansas's offense can't do anything. And I guess that's what I'm a little bit timid about is the fact that Georgia's defense is so good that maybe Arkansas doesn't get more than 13 points. So I'm not willing to bet it officially to find out, but if you want a strong lean, I think taking the points with Arkansas should, and I'm saying that very hesitantly, should be the right call for this game. Daddy Burke with us. Burke's best bets. Hail Varsity Radio, Vizan Sports Network. Uh, better play, in your opinion, Wisconsin minus two, Michigan's unbeaten, or Ole Miss getting the 14 and a half uh, at Bama after putting up almost half a hundred a year ago? Ooh, that's a good question. I think because as good as Michigan's looked, you know, I bet them last week and that was disappointing. You couldn't get anywhere to cover in against Rutgers. And Wisconsin is just a mess. But right when we think they're going to be a mess and they're going to do something to impress us again. So that game just screams frustration all over the place. I think I would take the 14 in the hook with Ole Miss. Look, Schmitty, people are talking about taking Ole Miss outright to win this game, which, no thank you, I'm not going to entertain that idea. But instead, I'll take over 14 points with the hook, which I think is a really good number with a coach, Lane Kippen, who is certainly familiar with Alabama and played him very close last year. Now you could have the thought process that, you know, he did everything and used every trick in the book to keep it close last season, so it's probably not going to work again. I don't subscribe to that too much. I think you have a more comfortable, experienced Ole Miss team. And, again, I'm not saying they're going to win this one, Schmitty, but I think it's a good look if you can get over 14, even at 14. But I like that you're getting the hook as well. And that opens the door for so many backdoor opportunities at the end of the game as well. So I would prefer to take the 14 and the hook with the Ole Miss Rebels. Danny, last thought here, about 30 seconds. This Alabama Ole Miss game features the two Heisman favorites in uh, Matt uh, Corral and Bryce Young, both at plus 175 odds right now. You see any value in betting Heisman futures at the moment, or stay the hell away from that? I honestly don't think there's too much value right now because, again, these guys are neck and neck. So at that point, you know, bet on, I guess instead of betting the game outright, you can bet on who you think is going to win and then bet that person to win. Heisman if you think their school can pretty much win out the rest of the way. So that's how I would gauge it if you're looking to get involved. But I'm not really infatuated with the Heisman odds as at this point. Danny, we'll see you next week. Thanks for the time, brother. Hey, sounds good, guys. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Don't forget... The Single Barrel, where we're going to be tomorrow, 4 to 6, Roadshow Friday. Inside the grad, you'll get yourself a whiskey. They have 250 to choose from. And, uh, yeah, a giant, big old thick steak. I'm going to go have a little whiskey and honey to get this cleared out of me. And then I'm going to go see Deb the Spa Lady and jump in a, in a hot tub and get some relaxation. Deb, can you, uh, can you fix what ails me? How are you? Yes, I can. I'm going to put some eucalyptus. Uh, it's called inspiration. It's just a, a it's a, it's something you, you can use in a hot tub, mm. a fragrance, and that'll clear up your nose and you'll feel a hundred times better. So yes, come in and we'll put you in the hot tub and get rid of that bug you've got. I, I am, I am flying to see Deb, Deb, uh, the spa lady, home innovation 
Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Deb, you've got so many spas. I mean, what do you do with all those spas? I know folks are buying. I know folks are trying to get things uh, figured out for their basement or backyard. But how do you how do you narrow it down for people? Because you got oh, such great options. We do try to make it nice and simple because um, – and, and now, especially with the times, our manufacturers have limited the models that they sell. So they have limited them. So it's, it's much easier to pick and choose which one is really the perfect one for you. You start out and you tell them, do you want a, a seven foot by seven foot or an eight foot by eight foot? Well, let's see. Do you want a lounge, the lay down part, or do you want all seats? So that kind of really gets us started in the in the right direction. Then we narrow it down from there. So we do. We make it so nice and easy, and we just don't confuse people. Man, that's so so good to hear. With just the simplicity uh, to figure yeah. out what is what is uh, best for the customer, man. And that's so good. And you've also got the swim spa. That's great for customers because it's big enough for the whole neighborhood. That's right. They usually, right when they walk in the door, they're just like, whoa, what is that? Because they, it just takes kind of, you're, you're shocked until you see what, see one in person. So, yeah, that gets them started, and they're thinking, oh, you know, wouldn't that be great? Didn't even think about that. So, yeah, it's great. It's fun to watch the progress as to where they kind of, you kind of watch them. Where do they head? Where, what kind of draws them in? So, we go from there. That is awesome. Deb the Spa Lady, three decades of excellence, home innovation spas. Deb the Spa Lady, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, real quick, how long of a soak did you take after Kansas mm-hmm. City? Oh, my land. I, kinda, <laughs> I I went under. I went under. But you the felt water better after, right? You felt better after. <laughs> I came up spurting but oh golly nebraska game oh man chief game it was bad but it's all going to turn around this this weekend that so is we'll right be enjoying it this weekend we'll jump in the hot tub with deb deb you take care we'll talk next week thank you so much okay thank you chris bye-bye all right you know what that's going to make you feel better a little bit pour one and jump in the hot tub you're feeling great your donkeys are unbeaten Woo, against uh, winless teams. Let's Take go. a picture, right? <laughs> It'll last a lot longer. That's right. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. Roadshow, single barrel, 4 o'clock. Be there.